welcome to Women in Faith. My name is Stephanie Schwartz, and I'm the host of Women in Faith, a podcast to help women trust and obey God by knowing and applying His Word. Have you ever used one of the at-home DNA kits that have become so popular? I know there's Ancestry DNA, 23andMe, and more. When you get one, you mail in a small sample of your saliva— The company receives it, they analyze it, and in a couple of weeks, they reveal your genetic makeup, who you are and where you came from. Now, I haven't done it yet, but my husband has. My husband always felt very close to his paternal grandparents, his father's mother and father. They immigrated here to the United States from Lvov, which is near Kiev in Ukraine, And years ago, while we were on a trip to Ukraine, we visited Lvov briefly. My husband really enjoyed seeing the sights and imagining what life must have been like for his beloved grandparents. When he used 23andMe, he discovered that his grandfather had a brother that my husband never knew about. And of course, his grandfather's brother had kids These are my husband's first cousins once removed. He was able, through 23andMe, to get in touch with one of them, and they continue to correspond to this day. They have a great time comparing notes and thinking about all that they have in common. It feels like you understand more about yourself when you learn about where you came from. We're looking at A.W. Tozer's classic book, The Knowledge of the Holy, and we're on chapter 5, The Self-Existence of God. Tozer begins by reminding us that God didn't come from anywhere. God is without a beginning, and this separates God from everything and everyone else because He alone is uncreated. We know John said the same thing in his gospel. John, the first three verses of chapter one say, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So everything we know of came from something else. Now, Tozer presents us with this concept that something can be caused by something else and, at the same time, be the cause of something else. For example, I've been caused by my parents, but I'm the cause of my children. God, we know, is the cause of all, but he has been caused by none. And so, when a child asks, where did God come from? It implies that the child knows that he was created. He knows that everything and everyone has an origin. Because everything and everyone does come from something, right? Right. Except for God. Now, Tozer writes, The human mind, being created, has an understandable uneasiness about the uncreated. He goes on, we do not find it comfortable to allow for the presence of one who is wholly outside of the circle of our familiar knowledge. We tend to be disquieted by the thought of one who does not account to us for his being, who is responsible to no one, who is self-existent, self-dependent, and self-sufficient. 
And yet we know that's God. Now, sadly, some of us just don't want to think at this level. Tozer writes, few of us have let our hearts gaze in wonder at the I am, the self-existent, self-back of which no creature can think. Such thoughts are too painful for us. We prefer to think where it will do more good, about how to build a better mousetrap, for instance, or how to make two blades of grass grow where one grew before. This person, according to Tozer, will ask, what possible meaning can the self-existence of God have for me and others like me in a world such as this and in times such as these? And Tozer writes, to this I reply that because we are the handiwork of God, it follows that all our problems and their solutions are theological. Wow. I'll read that again. He's saying, because we are the handiwork of God, it follows that all our problems and their solutions are theological. He goes on, some knowledge of what kind of God it is that operates the universe is indispensable to a sound philosophy of life and a sane outlook on the world. So because we come from God, we will never really know who we are until we know who God is. Before God created, there was nothing, just God. When we think of that, sometimes we think of outer space. But no, there was nothing. God created everything out of nothing. And the Bible teaches us right from the beginning that God created us in His image. Genesis 1.27, God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. We are the image of God. We're like a reflection of God or a shadow of God. We're actually more dependent upon God than a newborn baby is on her mother. Or we're more dependent upon God than our shadow is upon us. How do we think we can operate apart from Him? It's absolutely absurd. Tozer wrote, Man is a created being a derived and contingent self, who of himself possesses nothing, but is dependent each moment for his existence upon the one who created him after his own likeness. The fact of God is necessary to the fact of man. Think God away, and man has no ground for existence. Wow. God created us with the ability to exercise moral choice. We know that we can choose right or wrong. When we disobeyed God, we moved our focus off of Him and onto ourself. And Tozer writes, This act violated the relationship that normally existed between God and His creature. It rejected God as the ground of existence and threw man back upon himself. Therefore, he became not a planet revolving around the central sun— but a son in his own right, around which everything else must revolve. Tozer adds, a more positive assertion of selfhood could not be imagined than those words of God to Moses, 
I am that I am. Everything God is, everything that is God is set forth in that unqualified declaration of independent being. Yet in God, self is not sin, but the quintessence of all possible goodness, holiness, and truth. Tozer goes on, because man is born a rebel, he is unaware that he is one. His constant assertion of self, as far as he thinks of it at all, appears to him a perfectly normal thing. He is willing to share himself, sometimes even to sacrifice himself for a desired end, but never to dethrone himself. No matter how far down the scale of social acceptance he may slide, he is still in his own eyes a king on a throne, and no one, not even God, can take that throne from him. Sin has many manifestations, but its essence is one. Tozer writes, A moral being created to worship before the throne of God sits on the throne of his own selfhood and from that elevated position declares, I am. That is sin in its concentrated essence. Yet because it is natural, it appears to be good. Tozer says it is only when in the gospel the soul is brought before the face of the most holy one without the protective shield of ignorance that the frightful moral incongruity is brought home to the conscience. That reminds me of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 6, 2 through 5, when he stood before the throne of God and he saw the seraphim calling to one another in Isaiah 6, 3, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. It says the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. The house was full of smoke. And Isaiah says in verse 5, of chapter six, woe is me, for I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. It's only when God removes, like Tozer said, that protective shield of ignorance and allows us to see that he is God and we are not, that we are able to respond rightly to him as Isaiah did. Now Tozer concludes, to save us completely, Christ must reverse the bent of our nature. He must plant a new principle within us so that our subsequent conduct will spring out of a desire to promote the honor of God and the good of our fellow men. The old self sins must die, and the only instrument by which they can be slain is the cross. If any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, said our Lord. And years later, the victorious Paul could say, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And Tozer citing Matthew 16, 24 and Galatians 2, 20 there. Now, thinking about fear and worry and anxiety, we have got to get ourselves off the throne and realize that the throne belongs to God, our Creator. 
He is the only one who is in charge of every molecule in the universe. Next time, we'll walk through chapter six, the self-sufficiency of God. But until then, let's realize that we did not come into being by accident. We were created by God. Remember what Tozer said. I read it earlier. Because we are the handiwork of God, it follows that all our problems, our fear, worry, and anxiety, and their solutions to fear, worry, and anxiety are theological. We have to remember that the world is wanted. The world is not an accident. And you are wanted. You are not an accident. Your creator sits on his throne, so to speak, You have not escaped his notice. His spirit will equip you to joyfully carry out every single thing that he has called you to do. So again, this week, remember, you are not an accident. Your life is not an accident and your future is not an accident. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Please feel free to email me at wf at compasschurch.org with any questions or comments that you might have. And I look forward to meeting again next time as we think through chapter six. Mm -hmm.